Greater Good Radio. I use as a rule of thumb that I'm trying to get about five times my money in three years or ten times my money in five years. Hi, we can design your home in one minute or less. Inspire. Inspire. If you are doing your passion on a daily basis, then you're never going to have to work a day in your life. You're listening to Greater Good Radio, brought to you by Bubble Tea Supply, makers of the award-winning Neptune Ice Bubble Tea. Welcome to Greater Good Radio, the show that develops tomorrow's leaders by bringing you up close and personal with today's top business people. I'm Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. You can also visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Thank you, Evan. Today we're featuring Helen Kimi Takazawa. They're a young married couple who are both raised with the traditional beliefs to go to a good school, do well in college, and get a good job. They both had good jobs in the mainland, but decided to return to Hawaii to be closer to their families. Upon coming back, they decided to start their individual businesses and start a family. Hale owns Pacific Atelier, and Kimmy is a prior owner of Daisy Dog, Inc. Welcome, Hale and Kimmy. Hi. 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 Thanks. Hale, can you tell us a little bit about your civil engineering business at Pacific Atelier? Oh, Pacific Atelier is an architectural firm, and we practice architecture, design, interior design, uh, planning, and uh, we'll design, we mainly do a lot of planning and design for uh, clients on the island. Can you give us an uh, example of a few of those clients? Yeah, we do a lot of master planning for Koalina, which is uh, Jeff Stone out there in Koalina. They do a lot of resort development. And we also have a lot of projects out on Kona, which are multifamily units that are selling like hotcakes out there. So everything from commercial to residential? Anything from yeah, large projects? Right. Primarily commercial and high-end residential, resort-type uh, residential or planned developments. Okay. How many employees are in your company? And we have 13 employees, and I have one partner. Prior to coming back to Hawaii, what were you doing in New York? I was an architect in New York for a couple years, and I got to work on projects in the World Trade Center. Uh, there was a lot of money flowing into New York at the time with the dot-com boom, so we got to do a lot of fun projects, and uh, we decided to get... We got married and we moved back to Hawaii. And there's a whole story about that. I guess okay. we can get into that. Yeah, sure. Why don't, why don't you share that with us? Oh, this is my side of the story. I guess <laughs> okay. it changes. But, <laughs> then we'll get uh, to the real side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after coming back from New York uh, and getting married, we were living out in Hawaii Kai and trying Kalama to figure Valley, out. like the last bastion of Honolulu before <laughs> Waimanalo. <laughs> and especially like living in New York City, like in a studio, you're surrounded by people. We lived in a shoebox. Yeah, but you know, you're always around feet. people. Kalama Valley was very far away, especially for like a city girl like me. So it was kind of shocking. <laughs> Suburbia. <laughs> I couldn't go downstairs to get a drink of water by myself. This is when real estate prices were cheap now because we, you know, we didn't have <laughs> a lot. But um but uh, I started uh, practicing just out of out of home. I set up a desk there. I had a computer. Um, picked up a couple clients doing a house on Noella Drive where I was lucky. And um, that's Diamond Head, right? Diamond Head, mm -hmm. yeah. And some other smaller projects. And my one of my mentors at the time had told me he wanted he needed some help. 
and mm-hmm. and part of it was he had a small company as well that was kind of they were just bleeding red all over the place so he needed and he also needed some help from me so I kind of subcontracted with him and did some work there so you were part of his organization or just Purely subcontractor. Uh, purely subcontractor at the time. So this went on for a few months, and I realized that his company was, they were in the red. He had another partner, and they were probably, they were ready to go in, out of business probably within a few months. Was that primarily because they had too much uh Employees or staff? or um, At the time, they only had four people, and they were working on some great projects. They had some homes. They had a few commercial projects. Usually when you start out as an architect on your own, you get homes or you get additions and little things, and then you kind of work your way into into things. And uh, this company for had already done the Maui Ocean Center, which I had helped them on. And so we had they had actually had some really nice projects, and just because architects are we're terrible businessmen, we just don't know how to manage money. We're just very creative people, and and it's it's the nature of the way that architects are. It's just the ways our, the way our brain is wired. We're not very linear thinkers. We're non-linear. So so businesses don't often do well, especially architectural firms. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like starving artists. So what happens is one of the partners decided he wanted to go to the to the mainland to find more work in the Bay Area, which was booming at the time as well. This was in 1998. And uh, and he kind of managed the books from San Francisco while the firm was in Honolulu, and they were cranking on work. I mean, they were just cranking on work, but there was no money coming in. It was just being burnt and spent, and, and no clients were coming in from San Francisco. And, and we're kind of scratching our heads wondering, what is this guy doing out there in San Francisco? So... At that point, um, my partner Fabrizio and I—now he's a partner now—but at that time, he had a, we had a discussion and he said, uh, "Do you want to come in as a partner?" So I said, "Okay, sure." And we convinced the other guy in San Francisco, and I said, "I'll come in only if we can move the books and the management of the company back here, and he can go and find jobs or whatever he wants to do. But we need to control the operations here because this is where our employees are. This is where we're working with our consultants, our engineers, and so forth. So That's uh, part of your managing your risk as well. Though, right? Yeah, so I could manage my own risk because I was getting into a company that basically they, were, they owed tax to every taxing agency that you could go, including the IRS, payroll tax, um, that's the Hawaii State GET tax, uh, pretty much every agency that you owe a bill to when you when you run a business, we owed it about seventy grand worth of it. Why did you choose to become a partner in that instead of start your own firm with um, mm. your you know Fabrizio and then buy the assets or buy the clients so that you're yeah. not encumbered by the other portion? We had thought about that, and so Pacifica Telly was had been started in 1996, so it was about two years old. They were just getting off the board. They had good clients. They had a building kind of a name and a portfolio for themselves. And for, in architecture, it takes, you know, unless you're like a superstar and even superstars, it takes at least 10 years to build your portfolio that you can show people that you actually are doing significant work. So we said, well, let's try and stick it out. Just buy out the other partner, kick mm-hmm. them out and and then take it on from there. So with knowing that plan B would be, okay, he doesn't want us buy sell out, so we'll just have to quit and start a new company. Okay. But luckily, we didn't have to do that. We bought him out. Um, he wanted a quarter million dollars for his share, even though we were worth negative 70. And uh, so we settled for something like, Fifteen grand or something like that. <laughs> That's a pretty good negotiation. <laughs> so, But at that point, Jeff Stone had just bought Koalina, 
um, and the projects, and, and we got lucky, and he started asking us to do a lot of planning types of work. We weren't a big firm, but we had a lot of imagination, a lot of good ideas. Who brought Jeff Stone in? Uh, that was my partner, Fabrizio. They had been working together for a few years, and he was doing just renovations for Jeff on his house. Oh. And so you kind of build relationships that way. A lot of times it's just doing homes or small things for wealthy clients or who are potentially wealthy. And then, and at that point, intention takes in and you're, and it just carries you. You don't, you just don't know where it's going to go and it, and you just got to learn to follow it because, and you just fill that gap, whatever happens, you just go with it and take off. You're listening to greater good radio, the show that develops tomorrow's business leaders by bringing you together with today's top business people. Today, we're featuring Helen Kimi Takazawa, who has translated their corporate experience into starting their own businesses while managing their family. You can log on to our website at greatergoodradio.com. So, Hale, it sounded like a pretty difficult start. How did you guys get out of that? I mean, how did you pull through it? Sometimes I don't think it's, it's what I, I did at all. It kind of happens by itself. Actually, Kimi helped me a lot. And <laughs> Thank you. Kimi's like Good answer. Kimi is a... Um, a master marketer. She can probably sell anything. And she'll probably have stories about how when she was younger, she was like a top salesperson at the Limited or in New York. And she can tell you about that. But hmm. um, So she had some really creative ideas about how we should promote ourselves. Because, I mean, we have one good client. But as, as all entrepreneurs know, you cannot only have one good client because once that gets chopped out from under you, your history. So, so. what did she ad advise you to do? What were maybe two or three things that you guys did? Um, yeah, some of the things we did was we did, uh, we went to the trade shows, like the the home and, one of the home and garden shows, I think it was. Uh, and uh, so we we went for to get small residential clients or, or at least go fishing to get a big client. And we mm -hmm. got just one. And that one um, was a owner, lives out in Portlock. We uh, did a house for him. Actually, Kimi got the contact with him at the trade show and she sold him. And then he <laughs> met with me and he's like, okay, great. And so he, we did a house um, and it's actually on, uh, you'll see it on Little Grass Shack. It's a local... Um, cable station that shows mm -hmm. um, home building. So this home is, you know, 7,000 square feet right on the water in Port Lock and Honolulu. And we're so just, you, got we're the, just you got the client and then you also got it on television. And we did got the client get it on yeah. television or did, did well, you guys was, get it on television? That was, I have to credit Kimi too because she's the one that, that got in contact <laughs> with the show's producer and pitched it and we sent our drawings and they were ecstatic about it because it was on the water and it was a real... Hawaii kind of experience, so, so that, so that I credit to Kimi too. <laughs> yeah, you want to hear my pitch at the trade show? Sure. What I said? Sure. So, um, of course, you know, architecture people are like notorious for not being really um, outgoing. So yeah, there I was in the front. My whatsoever. pitch, okay, can you imagine Blaisdell Center? All these people walking by. My pitch was, "Hi, we can design your home in one minute or less. Want to try?" So one anyway, this guy came and he goes, you can? Okay, fine. So he gave me one minute. I told him how great Pacific Atelier was. And then that next week, he came in for an appointment. Yeah. So now we're building our second house with him right next door. And that one's being filmed uh, on Little Grass Shack as well. So that one's on, under So you've right developed now. a relationship with the television producer for that show then? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> 
So does that mean that majority of your projects you can get on television? Um, we can try. I mean, it's a good if you have a good project. And now I'm talking to other uh, designers or so forth. It's now with the, with HGTV and all of those other types of shows. I mean, it's it's so much easier to get exposure, huh. know, especially with local cable or or radio like this. It's, okay, it's great. So yeah. you did you did trade show to start, mm-hmm. then you did television, and then what else did you do? Um, and we did radio, and that was huh. Kimi's idea again. She said, "Why don't you guys have a radio show?" So we were, uh, so Fabrizio and I decided to um, start up a radio show. It was called Architects on Call, and some people, I'm sure some of the listeners have heard it. We were on KCCN right before. Uh, right after Bobby Curran's show on Tuesday on mornings. The f- on the same o'clock. the same channel, 1420? Right on 1420, that's right. Things come around full circle then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Did people call in and you guys answered their questions? Is that yeah. how it went? People would call in and they'd, I tell you, the biggest show that lights up the phone lines are like termites. In Hawaii, it's term, <laughs> ground termites. They'll eat your home out in, in three months. So people were calling about termites. They'd call about how to build their own homes, uh, there were other shows about just about we talk only about creativity and education. I mean, so it varied, but we talked about a lot of different things. People like talking about architecture, I guess. How, how did what did you find that came out of that? Did you find more business? Were they calling you and hiring you? Was it just you were more credible? What what yeah. did you get out of that? I think um, it was mainly exposure. Like people knew who we were. They knew what Pacific Atelier means. I mean, uh, we can talk about what Atelier means. And then they'll say like, "Oh, you're the guy in the radio." Yeah, and people would know that. Oh, yeah, there was a radio show, or, um, or even people that we knew that didn't really know that we were in business or had our own business. Um, they knew because they they heard that we were on the radio. So it it just basically sends the word out that yes, we're in business. It's like putting out your, you know, your little sign on your shop. Basically, it's kind of the same thing. So you don't really go out to get any specific clients, but it's more to build whatever reputation somebody wants to form in their head about you. You can't control your reputation at, at too much. Most people form their own opinion about you. Were you worried at all in the beginning? If like, would anybody listen to this or did they think it's interesting? Did, did that ever come oh, to your yeah. mind? Yeah, I mean, we were, we thought, yeah, that it would be interesting because there's no one else online talking about architecture, about buildings. And it always comes out in the paper, so there are always issues about oh, the mayor's building this, or the they're doing that, or they're taking down trees, or whatever it is. And and we're um, so we always have something to say about that. And not all architects agree, but but we're out there saying it, and and we just want to hear a, start a dialogue about it. So would you say it's more of a mix than that that you do with marketing, or is there one specific marketing? aspect that seems to be the most effective the most effective for us for the service industry is get your clients and just do the best work that you possibly can and and it's and it all comes down to it's not even human relations it's just doing the right thing so if you know you did something wrong just don't hide it just admit it right away and fix it as fast as you can and your mm-hmm. clients will respect that and and then the product actually comes out a lot better because there's a lot of good energy around it and it feels really good. And and at that point, that's when the uh, the referrals start coming. Mm-hmm. And the referrals are really important, especially in a small market when you're dealing with, like Hawaii is a small market. Everybody knows each other. And they don't care if they heard you on the radio. All they care is, oh, is this guy using them? Like, oh, is Jeff Stone using them? Oh, they must, you know, they must have something. Mm-hmm. So, so it really, 
depends on getting a good client and keeping them happy. And and then at, at that point, I don't know, humans just like to use people who are – not everyone likes to use the, the dark horse or the – the wild card, they always like to go with somebody who's already a winner. So it kind of it's gets easier the once front you get runner, some good almost. victories along the way. Yeah. I think I think an important point there though is that when you screw up and you make the mistake and then you fix it, you, that's you know you, screw ups are going to happen. And when things go well, that? everyone you know it's easy, yeah. right? Everyone's great when everything goes well. Yeah. But the true test is when something goes wrong. Are they going to really fix it? And that's how right. is that process? Yeah, that's when you I step up. Yeah. That's where you can really set yeah. yourself apart. When you step up and 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 at that point you're not even thinking about money or how much you're gonna make or your bottom line. You just you're doing it because it's the right thing and you just you just do it because it's right and you and you gotta keep your clients happy. You're listening to Greater Good Radio, the show that develops tomorrow's business leaders by bringing you together with today's top business people. Today we're featuring Hale and Kimi Takazawa. Hale is one of the owners of Pacific Atelier and Kimi will be sharing with us more about her PR experience with Daisy Dog Inc. Please join us for our after show to hear more secrets and business advice from Hale and Kimi, how they managed their growing business to starting a family. You can log on to our website at greatergoodradio.com. So Hale, one of the most difficult things to do is manage employees, create a corporate culture, and have a, a workplace where people actually want to come and work and become productive. What are you guys doing in your business you know, to set your company apart versus other companies? We looked at a lot of... I, my partner worked at a lot of firms. I've worked at enough firms and participated in enough um, office politics to realize that we wanted to start a company that was a little bit different. So we started changing the culture by, one, you know, we, we wanted to get the best talented most the best talent that anyone can get but every every firm wants to do that and the reality is you're not always going to get it so the best way to do it is train them as best as you can and teach them a philosophy that they can uh, leave the firm because they're not always going to stay a lot of people mm-hmm. leave we all know that there's employee turnover and um, for different reasons you train um, most of them in-house or you send them to outside yeah. training or seminars or we train them all in-house we'll bring speakers in to educate them on whatever they need to whether it's technical or communication with other people or understanding some kind of architectural concept or something we'll also send them out or pay for whatever education they're interested you set in. aside a specific percentage of revenue for that because that gets expensive yeah it does i don't have a specific percentage yet and but we're committed to it so we try to our philosophy is basically whatever whatever you're at now when you walk into our office we're going to train you and make you way better by the time you leave and Mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of your skill sets and how you're going to work for some other employer but just about how you look at the whole world and how you look at uh, working with each other and with clients in general so it's just a matter of because we know that it's really important how you work with your clients or mm-hmm. with our customers. So, and I want to teach them, especially architects. Like Kimi was saying, you know, architects are kind of boring people, and, <laughs> and, and it's just the way our brain works. We're not. We're we're more interested in design and creating things than we are with. We're just not that good with people. Almost like so. an artist. Yeah, we're kind mm-hmm. of like artists. So, um, so a lot of people are really reticent about a lot of dealing, and yet. At the same time, you have to explain your project to your client. You have to sell them on the ideas a lot of times. You have to communicate all of those ideas to the contractor who's building it. So we teach a lot of just rules to live by. Mm -hmm. And we can talk more about that, but we have four house rules. It's not in the office manual. 
Um, it's number one is no whining. Number two is oh, don't take good. yourself too seriously. Number three is leave your ego at the door. And mm-hmm. number four is a really important one is listen to that little voice, that little voice that tells you hey, something's not quite right. But I'm not sure if I should say anything because you know I'm I'm not that high on the totem pole. But something seems it's kind of not that right. And do we it without it. whining. And do it without whining. So even if someone who's just started and they got a really something's gnawing at them, we encourage them tell us tell us because our butts have been saved mm-hmm. so many times just by that little voice. How has that translated into employee retention um, and overall morale? People stay. People do not leave our company unless they uh, unless they're moving. Usually, mm-hmm. I don't. I think we've had people come and go, but it's mainly because they're either moving or. Well, the only time we actually lost a lot of people is after 9-11. Everybody had problems. That's pretty good because uh, if you have the door open, the outside, the door to leave open, yeah. and they can leave any time. And you say, you know, yeah. you can leave any time. You really have to show your value for them to stay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I know you have a lot more things, but let's get Kimmy involved with this. And Carrie can talk with her a bit. And then we'll finish up with everything in the after show. Kimmy, now it's the women's turn Yay. to hear the real stuff. <laughs> I'm really interested in how you got started as a PR person, starting your own company with Daisy Dog Inc. Okay, sure. Um, well, actually, my career path to doing PR has been like a long road. Um, I actually always wanted to do advertising, so I actually did a stint in advertising at Shy Day in New York City. Hated it because basically, um, yeah, you could be like highly educated but not know a thing about working in an office. I mean, I put my first day, I put my facts in backwards you know how you're supposed to face it down so the other end basically got a blank page um i didn't know how to file anything because you know in school where why do you ever file so they would ask me to file stuff and then i'd lose it tell them where you went to school um columbia university in new york city where did you go to high school (laughs) um (laughs) pano but anyway so it was it was a long run i just hated it so i decided i need to do something creative so i went to Afterwards, I went to um, Parsons School of Design to do interior design because I thought I wanted to do design. So I had a degree in interior design, and I moved back home from New York. And um, at um, for our joint associates, that's where Hale and I met. <laughs> that's a that's a scandal. I don't know if you should talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we worked at for our joint associates, and I, I really liked it a lot. But what I really missed more was New York City. So after living here for about a year and a half, I moved back to New York. And um, got a job at an interior design firm there. And then uh, when we moved back home, I decided that, you know, after working at this, these, like, giant office spaces and, like, how Hale had said, the economy there was just booming. So we had, like, $100, $200 a square foot budget. Coming back home, I was like, no way. I'm not going to go. Because I remember it was, like, $18 a square foot or 20 and it's, like, the carpet that you have to use. You couldn't do custom carpet, and it was just... I said, I couldn't do this. I'm going to follow my dream and do PR because I always wanted to do that. And I think that's more of my personality. So um, I got a job. I interviewed all over the place, and I got an internship at um, Myers Advertising. And that's where actually I found um, I had a really wonderful mentor, um, Susan Sunderland, who really who was just a wonderful, wonderful person and really great to learn off of. And from there, I did um, Myers, and then went to PR Works, and then Kind of on a dare, I decided to quit and start my own firm. So you just quit cold turkey and started your own business yep. one day. Yep. <laughs> I, I was, so how <laughs> how did your husband take this? You woke up and you're like, I'm quitting. I'm starting my own business. No, actually, it was over a dare at Ryan's with, you know, like everyone was like, well, we actually started this group called the E-List. 
So everyone there is like these entrepreneurs and they wanted to, you know, like, oh yeah, chance them, chance them. So maybe I had too many cocktails at, at Ryan's. We're like, yeah, Kimi, go for it. So I'm like, okay, I'm quitting tomorrow. So I did. And basically my whole office was an uproar. I caused like two other people also to quit too. And anyway, it was like <laughs> bad news. And I came up with the name Daisy Dog Inc. Named after my very... Um, my very special dog, who's very feisty, named Daisy. She's a Basenji mix. You'll so, see her on the Jiffy Lube commercial. Yeah, she's on a Jiffy Lube commercial. Oh. <laughs> so it's played at the Big UH game screen. So, um, so anyways, Daisy Dog Inc. and the tagline is PR with bite. So that's how I started. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe just a few cocktails and you make a decision like that. <laughs> I know. Well, I had this point of hail because he's an entrepreneur too. So it really, you know, he wasn't worried. He wasn't afraid. And so I said, fine. So we did it. I did it, yeah. You mentioned that when you started your first job a while back, you your strength was not filing, organizing, faxing. You're starting your own business. You wear so many hats. Did you just have to figure it out, or did you make sure that the equipment you purchased, you knew how to work? Uh, well, lucky thing, I married someone who was very good at um, networking, so I held at all my computer networking. But um, from Susan, she really... Because I'm like more excitable, so she really made me calm down. So working with her, it made me realize why filing is good and how to be organized. So just from those that skill set, over the past you know two years, I felt ready to start my own. And then of course I did hire um, a bookkeeper after I started getting going. So um, so that really helped a lot. Yeah, but that bookkeeper is really key, I think, for a lot of businesses. They yeah. don't want to do it, but yeah, you think that you're spending, you know, like. 150, 200, 300 dollars a month for the bookkeeper, but in the end, you know, otherwise I would, I wouldn't have paid my taxes. I would have been, you know, I wouldn't have known to do all these things. So it really, she really saved me. Plus, um, people who I hired to work for me were very strong in that organizational side. So um, they, you have to have people who are better than you to to make sure that your your company works. How large was your um, company Daisy Dog Inc. Um, I had myself, and I had an intern, and I also had like a couple of subcontractors who worked for me. So um, together, you know, we had like uh, three, four people depending on the project. But it was it was a wonderful. I had a really great time doing it. It was very dynamic. Um, what I really enjoyed most was like pitching new clients. Actually, um, my first client was Russell Sue from Kakako Kitchen. I had met him one time, so I just called him up and said, "Hi, can I meet with you? I think you need PR." So. We sat at 3660, and I, you know, I did a proposal, and he said, okay, fine. So um, from then, I just got more clients that way, plus referrals from past clients as well. You know, I've heard that our generation changes their career five times, and it sounds like you've gone down many career paths. From all of your experience with these different jobs, do you feel that that has helped prepare you to be successful, successful with your PR business? Well... I'm not doing PR anymore, but I think learning how to multitask has really um, made me be prepared for my most challenging job yet, which is being a mom of two boys. I mean, talk about multitasking. It's just so intense. I mean, that's um, a pure test of how much you can handle. I mean, this is harder than anything I've ever done. I, I understand. I just had my second boy also and I know six weeks ago and you look fabulous <laughs> thank you was it hard for you to make was it hard for you to give up that career because I mean you put everything you have when you're an entrepreneur you put everything you have into it and it's like I mean you almost have to pry people away 
by their finger. I mean, they're, they don't want to leave. Yeah. How, how did you come about leaving? Well, it was really hard because, you know, by that time, um, after like, what, I quit after two years. So after, even after my first year, I had gotten like a really good list of clients, like the Parade of Homes, um, Law Offices of Ian Maddock, I had Hawaiian Wires Adventure Park, Schuler Homes. Um, and um, so when I was pregnant, I had my baby in August, you know, and um, Parade of Homes was actually in October, which is only three months away. And those last three months before an event is really critical and crucial. And just trying to manage um, pitching the event out and then watching my baby, I realized, you know, I have to decide what I want to do. And Hale really wanted me to stay home uh, to be a mom for the kids. And my mom stayed home, too. So I really couldn't imagine how life would be like without having mom that stayed at home. So it was very, very hard. So I actually resigned after my baby was born in August. I resigned all my clients by December. Who did you resign your clients to or did you? Um, I told them I was going to resign. And if they needed, you know, referrals, and I gave them to some other people I knew. Um, But basically, I mean, sadly, yeah, it took me 13 months of my son's life to finally say, get over it. You're not going back. I mean, I was like always moping around and like, oh, gosh. You know, this is horrid, but... Yeah, there was a lot of moping. Yeah, there was. But after 13 (laughs) months, I said, you know, just get over it. You're not going back. So once I had that change of mindset, but it took 13 months, I was a lot happier. Do you think that once your children are in grade school and they're busy throughout their day, do you think you might go back and even run the business out of your home and have an office where your employees are working out of? Yeah, I think so. I mean, actually, I did have an office downtown in Chinatown, um, but... um. Yeah, I think I would like to do something because I don't think I could just, you know, be a lady who lunches. I think I would just get too bored. So probably, but my son is only, second one is only, Jet is only 10 months old. So it's going to be maybe another two, three years. So we'll see what happens. Unless another one comes no, along. No, no. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming into our show, Hale and Kimmy. Uh, Thank please. You. Thank you. Please join us all for the after show at greatergoodradio.com where we'll get a lot more in-depth on you know how they work together, how they started their business, and a lot of the secret inside stuff uh, that we weren't able to go through on the show. This is Evan Leong, your, your host, and my co-host is Carrie Leong. We want to thank Kimmy and Hale Takazawa today for coming in here. This show is brought to you today by Bubble Tea Supply, the makers of the award-winning Neptune Ice Bubble Tea Drink. Please visit them at bubbleteasupply.biz.